Welcome to Level 7, Episode 106, Daredevil, Season 1, Episode 6, Condemned. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome, welcome to Hell's Kitchen, and actually this feels like right now Hell's office that I'm sitting in with the heat in our house. Hell's Kitchen is just outside the door, but uh, I am Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here to talk about Daredevil, episode six, which is called Condemned, and I've been joined by my friend and yours, uh, sorry, this is Daniel Butcher. This is I'm I'm confused. Why? Because you changed the poll. <laughs> <laughs> you totally changed the poll. Yeah, I did. Good job. Good job. Well, that that yeah, old one was stale. You know, it was kind of old. The the uh, red vines were getting stale. Yeah. Also, yeah. <laughs> it kind of was a stupid poll considering we actually had a real answer from Clark Gregg that someone put out there and that, that solved the problem. Although I can't remember what his answer was. I think he said red vine because I found that answer to be unsatisfactory. I'm sorry. That's, that's unfortunate. It should have been Twizzlers. I'm sure the cast, yeah, the, the crew slipped Twizzlers in on them. <laughs> Maybe the, the poll question is basically, what are you going to call agent sky now? And are you going to call her sky Daisy or quake? Um, and, I, and I'm just going to throw this out here. This is the MCU'd Quake. So all of those are a potential option. Well, they are. I mean, they've clearly, in the comic books, have now connected Sky with Daisy with Quake, because Daisy is Quake, and Which, Sky that's, that's is her hint, nickname. by the way. If you haven't listened to our last comic book episode, that's the one you want to listen to. That one. That one is a good one, because it features Sky... For the first time in MCU. We've got another agent coming up in the next comic episode who'll be featured for the first time in the 616 universe, but it's not really a 616 universe. But it's his first appearance but, in a not in a not Agents of Shield TV tie-in comic. And and for those who are Marvel comic fans, it's a story that matters, I'm saying with all quotes <laughs> around the word matters. And what else is coming up? Oh, there's an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. issue coming up that features on the cover two mm, hey girl. ladies who are tearing into some ninja or something like that. And ninjas make everything better. So you take some hey girl and some ninjas, boom. Yes, I believe I remember hearing a G.I. Joe review episode. Uh, by the way, G.I. Joe, that reminds me of some news we've got. Oh, we already talked about the casting of Elektra. Did you know that yeah. she was Jinx from G.I. Joe Retaliation? I, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. She was uh, one of the ninja I'm, I'm in that movie that made it a better movie for you. That. No, but pictures from that movie look like Electra. So that's kind of cool, too. We do have a little bit of news to talk about. And then we're going to talk about the episode in, in question, which is Condemned. 
And then we're going to do our feedback that'll feature some Daredevil feedback and some feedback about Spider-Man, actually, from a conversation we were having earlier. And then we're going to play our music. And normally there's, well, I shouldn't say normally, almost always, except for maybe one or two episodes, there's something after the end credits. This is a Marvel-based show, and so we have to follow the Marvel pattern. This time around, it's going to be Ant-Man feedback. And the reason we're doing that is just to put a little bit of space barrier between um, potential spoilers for the Ant-Man movie. So if you have watched Daredevil and want to just listen to the entire episode, but don't want to worry about, you know, Ant-Man spoilers, uh, like the time when Thanos showed up and was so big and Ant-Man was so, wait, that didn't happen. Not a spoiler. Um, Or is it? (laughs) But uh, this way there's some space, there's a buffer so that you don't have to worry about being spoiled about Ant-Man if you haven't seen it yet. So there's... That's pretty much the layout of the episode. And yeah, so from there, I think, should we go ahead and just start talking about some of the the news items? Let's do it because I'm pretty excited about some of these. Okay, well, some of it's news and some of it is, and we don't have a sounder, by the way, still for news. So we we can just do intelligence report, right? Do the intelligence report, buddy. Shield intelligence report. All right, you want me to do these? And lead us through. Yeah, go ahead, and I will talk about what I think is actually important and what well, I, is I'm not important for to, various reasons. I'm prioritizing these on purpose. Okay, all right, let's hear yeah, it. So the first one is: is Andrew Howard is joining Marvel's Agents of Shield, of Hell on Wheels and Bates Motel. Hmm. I have no idea who he is. Uh, anything as else? as an actor? I've, I. Don't know who he is, but I do know that he's coming as an intimidating and mysterious government agent who will challenge Coulson and his team in their mission to find and protect powered people. I only have oh. one concern here, Ben. Yeah? He can't have a mustache. He has to have a beard because we already have a stash. And the beard guy died. Spoilers, died. Um, so we need a new beard. Well, what if – what's the guy's name? Is it Peter Gillis? I know that some people are talking about in Civil War that um, Martin Freeman's character might be. I think it's Gillis, right? No, you're thinking of Guy Rich. Guy Rich, that's who I'm thinking of. But it's Peter, Peter Guy Rich. Uh, I, you know what's Paul really funny is Guy Rich. I was actually reading something Peter, with Guy Rich today. Paul, Mary, let me reach into the bag while you talk. Okay, but anyway, that's a an agent of the government who is like a liaison with the Avengers. And I've been wondering if they were ever going to bring that character in because he does seem like he would really fit into the Marvel Cinematic Universe or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. In fact, there's I, I've often wondered, actually, why this character wasn't actually Coulson in the beginning. Like why they didn't just run with it and say, OK, Since well, Guy Rich is evil. Well, there's that. But he's he's the government guy and he he's really more annoying than evil at the beginning. And that's all I've read of him is in the, some of those early, early appearances with the Avengers where he was shutting them down and stuff like at that. At the but, end of this issue, he's giving away government secrets, but they actually never say his full name, even though he is confronted. Confronted by. Oh, Henry. Henry? No, that's Henry. his twin brother. I'm pretty sure that this guy died and that's his twin brother or something like that. <sighs> Well, what's, what? what's next? That seems like clown shoes. Uh, no more clown shoes than, I don't know, a superhero pretending to be his twin brother who is actually the superhero 
So like a blind lawyer pretends to be a sighted twin brother and that's actually who Daredevil is. So nobody thinks that it's actually Matt who's Daredevil. So Matt has two secret identities. One is the twin brother he's pretending to be and the other is Daredevil. He's pretending that his twin brother is Daredevil. It's complicated and dumb and I'm kind of absolutely fun. So let's talk about a little Netflix news. Yeah, let's. Oh, Henry Peter Guyrich. That's his name. Yeah, Henry is the name I said. No, I mean, they, they've used two names. So recently at the Television Critics Association press tour, we received some information about Netflix. Yes, we and did. And this includes the following Jessica Jones, second half of 2015. We knew that. We were hoping I think, for that. Yeah, I, yeah, we knew that. Luke Cage, sometime in the first half of 2016. Okay. That seems to make sense. Defenders. Everybody's got a debut first. And then so if, if, let's say, somebody's having a second, it's possible for second seasons before we get to Defenders. Because everybody's got a rollout. Mm-hmm. So we know next year, 2016, we're getting a Daredevil Season 2. Uh, it seems like Iron Fist from some rumors are, is having some problems getting to, to film. So it could be a while before Defenders hits the screen. Because, again, if Jessica Jones is a really hot property, it's entirely possible that uh, we could see a Season 2 of Jessica Jones before we see Defenders. It's entirely possible. They are talking every six months for a rollout between each series. Yeah. I I was afraid that this is what we were looking at was because, okay, Daredevil comes and gets a second season. What does that do? It pushes it back. Some of the other stuff that might come. Well, I mean, when you look at that, that basically means if we're going to get something every six months in 2015, we're going to get Jones. 2016, we'll get Cage. 2016, we'll get Daredevil, which means the earliest we can get Fist is 2017. And the earliest we get to Defenders is 2017, assuming nothing half. else happens. Yeah, second half of 2017. We could be looking at 2018. Well, let's just Defenders. go ahead and push it back till 2019 and have it cross in with Infinity War, shall we? It's crossing in anyway. Yeah. It'll be that 20-minute pan around the circle and get every single MCU character that has appeared on screen fighting together. They're going to team up. And Punisher Thanos. series? Well, Netflix says, the CEO <laughs> of Netflix said, it's possible for sure. That's no, the no, no. universe. That's not what we can spin out of the films, too. Yeah. But what does that mean? It means what we sure, already Sure, why not? Anything's yeah. possible. You, I'm not committing we, to money to it right now. We like money. <laughs> if you'll pay money for it. And that's, um, did you see the interview? If we don't kill him, wink, wink. Did you see the interview with uh, Kevin? I'll always say his name wrong, so I'm just going to say Kevin Feige. Um, Did you see that interview where he basically said, uh, with movies, you just create it, you put it out there, and then you hope that you're going to make your money back. With TV, the network, quote unquote, has to ask for it. So that's why they got Agent Carter, which because the network wanted a straight through season for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and they said that's going to be very difficult to do. And so they had the idea of filling in the gap with Agent Carter, which is a brilliant idea, but it sounded like that was actually a network idea. 
to do something like that. And the same is true here with Netflix. Uh, what Netflix asks for, so if they say, yeah, you know, Daredevil's a hit, let's get another season, um, then that's what's going to happen. Is This is kind of a backwards from the movie setup. So, and it makes sense. Netflix says, hey, we're making lots and lots of money because people are subscribing to Netflix and the people who subscribe are watching this Daredevil thing. We want more. All right, so lots of Netflix news. Anything you want to add to that news, Ben? There really is not anything I want to add to any news here. Oh, well, let's talk about the most important news of the week then. Let's do it. Are you sitting down? I am. I have been for a little while now. I'm a hot mess. About Chloe has cut her hair. <laughs> it's it's not long anymore. Okay. It's kind of a bobbish sort of thing, or at least what I'd call a bob. It's a little bit closer to the Quake comic books, but I'm gonna call. I'm just gonna call this right now. This is the MCUing of a haircut. <laughs> Quake's okay. hair has been MCU'd. All right. Well, you know, it's it's longer than the comics, but shorter than it was. So it's it's close to what the comics have been giving us, but not so close that it's unrealistic. Yeah, and it's more grounded we, in reality. More grounded in than current than fashion. the comic books are. <laughs> I don't know what fashion is. Come on, when I say something like that, but there, there you go. Okay, it, it's probably more grounded to how far she was willing to have her hair cut. <laughs> well, that that was nice. But this is a big deal. She's moving closer to being Quake. She's accepting her Quakeness. I I guess. I mean, who's moving closer to being Quake? Chloe. Sky, she, her character, she's, she's got the name, she's got the powers, and now she's got the hair. We just need to put her in a jumpsuit. Which, I, we need more jumpsuits on our oh, show. Oh, man, we need jumpsuits on the show so bad. We do, we do. <sighs> Daniel, we need to get started, man. We need to get All right. get, get away from this news stuff and, and talk about this episode. So. Yeah, because I have no idea what I said about <laughs> Condemned when I called it. I'll be honest, Daniel. I've listened to it, and I have no idea what you said. Uh, but we'll get to that right now. Opening statements. All right, Daniel, I'm not sure which one is which when I press this button because the file names are really weird. So one of these buttons like is going to... I like the random. Uh, I like random. It's fun. It's fun. It's like a little Christmas present or an Easter egg. And that way I can be snuck up by the Ben who never actually watched Daredevil and is somewhat awkward with himself. I'll just say I've listened to your message, Daniel, because I have to listen to at least the beginning to find out which episode we're talking about when I'm looking for the the voicemails you're going to be snuck up on daniel you're going to be snuck up on if you don't remember what you did are you ready all right let's go let's go right here we go whichever one this one is tense yep tense Do you remember doing that? <laughs> you know, it's 
<laughs> I guess we'll have to find out on my second view if I was as tense. Wow. <laughs> I I have to listen to the beginning and usually we'll within the first 10 15 seconds we'll say this is what I'm calling in about. <laughs> that message wasn't even 15 seconds long. Tense, man. I I'm tense about my tense. I can understand though. I know where you're coming from as someone who is a friend of you knowing that what you think about being tense, but <laughs> all right. So here's my, at least we can tell from my message that I watched the show. I don't know if that's necessarily true because I think that probably nine times out of 10 with a daredevil episode, you're, you, you could probably say that at, at about, about some portion of the episode, but <laughs> all right, here we go. Hey, Daniel. Hey, future me. It's Ben. Ben Avery, and I'm calling in again. So I just watched Condemned, which takes off directly from the last episode. You really shouldn't even stop watching between these two episodes. And, yeah, I'm, I'm still sticking with that. We have 13 hours of Daredevil. And how many hours do we have of Iron Man and Captain America? It's close, but not this close. I mean, it, this is all just him. It's a good thing we like them. <laughs> it's a good thing that they've created a, a compelling story. And it's a good thing that they've brought in people that are allowed to be compelling, too. So, uh, yeah. So, so, speaking of the people, this episode really brings up something I'm thinking about, and that is that Kingpin and Daredevil, they're two sides of the, the same point. And that's, that's a good way to have your villains and your heroes working together. I mean, we've got them. And they're both after similar things, but with differences. I mean, the difference is the ideology. The difference is the why and, and the, the way that the why allows them to do the how. And I, I'm liking this. I'm liking the themes that are getting brought up in this and this kind of daredevil walking the line between, uh, you know, well, the sides of the angels and the sides of, of the devil. So, um, yeah, so those are my initial thoughts condemned. Um, again, this is there's some rich themes here. I'm sure that future Ben and Daniel, you're going to talk about them. But, um, you know, I, I know future Ben, you're, you're stealing my jokes and, and saying them before I have a chance to get them played on the show. But um, I figured out a way to, to get you back, my friend. You know those Cadbury eggs you're looking for? Yeah, I ate them. I ate them. So you don't get to. I just think on that. You know, I kind of feel like I'm kingpin right now. I can only talk to you through the phone. And it's like Heat. Remember that movie, Heat, Future Ben? We watched it. I watched it more recently than you did. Because you're in the future. But, yeah, uh, where Robert De Niro and Cappuccino barely even shared any screen time together. And they may not have even been in the room together. But they were still great, great uh, antagonists. So, yeah, I, I like it. Daredevil and Kingman. Good, good hero villain match. There. Proof that mm -hmm. I watched the episode, Daniel? No, it, it does appear you did, since you actually referenced it this time. <laughs> yeah. So that that's a good start. Was I really such a jerk back then, Daniel? Um, I mean, I'm I'm thinking back to those days. I might argue you still are. Those 
those days of our youth and when we were fresh and free and the world was our oyster. Dude, I call that Tuesday. And I call today Tuesday. Well, good, there you go. a good Tuesday. I was glad to come home and do some Daredevil. Yeah. Do some podcasting yeah. with you. That's what I'm here for, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, those are our <laughs> opening opening statements, one a little more in-depth than the other. And but I would say mine was fairly accurate. I, I'm not arguing against time, accuracy. I don't know if I still feel that way, but <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, not too much. Let's move on. Let's start talking about the episode. Case evidence. All right. So condemned, Daniel. I was thinking about how do we talk about this story, and I really think we have to go in a linear fashion for this one. I think that may be the only way to do it, too. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same page. Uh, <laughs> so well, I, That's what I'm here for, buddy. It is. It is. We're here to be on the same page, unless we're talking about Ant-Man or Thor of the Dark World. Or Iron Man 3. Or Iron Man 3. Don't forget Iron Man 3. How could I forget? Never forget Iron, Iron Man 3. 3, the best Christmas MCU movie we've had. The only. Yep. So here we are, and we, we pick up where we left off. The police are surrounding Daredevil. And how is Daredevil going to get out of this? Well, basically, they're corrupt. And since they're corrupt, they're not going by the book. And since they're not going by the book, they're trying to murder people. And since they're trying to murder people, Daredevil feels well within his rights to go ahead and, and fight back pretty harsh. And he fights them cuffed. He's handcuffed as he fights. Um, for part of the time, anyway. He's, he's got some cool, cool moves. Some cool moves. Well, he is the star of the show, buddy. He is. It's true. Uh, although I do, I wrote in my notes here, fighting cuffed metaphor. Um, and actually, there's a little bit of a metaphor there, I think. If you want to look at it that way. I don't know if it's intended. But if you look at... What Daredevil and King Kim, Kingpin are both trying to do, Daredevil is cuffed. He's not going to kill anyone. He has set that limit for himself. And, yeah, I don't know if that's a metaphor they were intending, but it was one that I, I picked up on in my viewing anyway. So, yeah, it's not going well for him, though. Not at all. Because the police have been alerted to his presence, and more police are probably going to come. And we go from there to Ben Urich, who is putting cards up on a board. And this is the weirdest game of solitaire ever. It is. It is. Uh, now, he's marking the cards, though, with these little holes so that when he plays again, he'll be able to you know, know what's coming. But Not recommended in Vegas. No, no, they would kick you out. But it's solitaire. So you're playing by yourself. You can, you know, if you're going to play solitaire, you're and you're going to break the rules. It's your choice there. Anyway, um, in my notes, I put king pinned because the king represents Fisk and it's put up there and it's pinned on the board. And Daniel, was that something you picked on? Picked nope. up on? I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I wrote it down because I thought I was being so clever and then we got some feedback coming that shows that I'm not the only clever person, I guess. But... I don't know if that's well, intentional. I've always known our agents are more clever than us. Yeah, the question is, are we more clever than the people who made it? Was this intentional? Did they do this on purpose? 
is this the MCUing of the Kingpin name? Because we're not going to call Fisk Kingpin unless it's someone just, you know, randomly describing him. Oh, yeah, he's like some sort of crime Kingpin, right? It's going to be like that. So which would you rather have? No, I want, it, I want him to be called Kingpin at some point. Okay. I, I don't know if we're going to get it, but if we don't, they've, they've done this. Uh, but then the explosions are all, all the rage at the news place, you know, it's a, it, and they need to report on it. And they're trying to figure out, is it a gas main? And then all the addresses trigger something in Ben. Ben Yurik knows each of those places controlled by the Russians. Ben knows well, what's up. Because he knows Hell's Kitchen. He does. He, well, he, he knows what's up. I mean, he understands he's been reporting on crime. He has contacts in the criminal world, or had contacts, I should say. He may not have as many now in the criminal world. But, uh, yeah, this is the guy who he's supposed to be doing this reporting. And his editor's not too happy when <laughs> he just walks away without, without stopping. So, But he's out of there because he's going to head over there. And it's interesting. I was wondering, why in the world do they keep cutting back to Ben and who I wrote down as Laurel and Hardy about the two corrupt cops that we've been dealing with and we'll find out there is a very good reason that they keep cutting back to Ben and them so meanwhile Fisk and Wesley they're watching the aftermath of all these explosions and they're talking about how they need to contain things and asking what are you going to tell uh, Vanessa and he's lying to her is impossible and and then how are we going to take care of this? We're going to let the police do their job, is what Kingpin says. Why? Because that's what he pays them for, isn't it? And this is the episode where we start to realize it's not just a couple people here and there that are under Kingpin's power. We'll get to that, too. But the police are cleaning up things. They're containing things. They're doing their job. And what's their job? Torturing people people and shooting them in the head but can you feel so bad because they're russians and we know you're pro torture you keep bringing that up daniel and when i say russians i'm not specifically against the russians in general i'm just saying they're criminal russians these are organized criminal russians i mean they're actors in a fictional story it's organized crime so you have basically evil cops killing evil criminals. Pretend. I mean, which is worse or which is better? Is it better to be the guy who's pretending to be good? So he's doing some good stuff sometimes, but he also is not you know, more than willing to he's more than willing to kill someone. Or is it better to be the, the guy who's being honest about things? And, you know, I'm breaking the law, but I'm a criminal. I'm going to be honest with you, Ben. I, I've never shared this with you. I've got a friend with an IMDb page. Okay. He's a professional actor. You know what I've learned from him? I do not. It's best to be the guy pretending and getting paid. Nice. Very nice. So the cops. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Daredevil goes into hiding with, the, with one of the Russians. Uh, is it Vladimir that he has? Yep, it's Vladimir. Yeah. I kept forgetting his name as Me I watched too. it. Eventually, I had to write it down because I, I keep forgetting the names of the Russians. I can remember Madame Gao. 
I can remember Owsley, but for some reason, the rest of them are just disposable to me. It was a long time before I could remember Wesley's name, honestly. And I, d- I don't know why. I mean, they use his name in every episode that he appears, but at least I think they do. Um, Daredevil's in hiding, though, and he has taken Vladimir with him, and we get some talky, talky, talky. And we get... It's it's good talky talky, but it's it's talky talky, and Daredevil's talking about how he's different than Fisk, and Vladimir's talking about how no, you're not different than Fisk. I don't kill people; it doesn't matter. Um, Vladimir asks him, "What do you want?" And Daredevil's idealistic answer: "I want Fisk on trial for what he's done." That'll never happen in this series. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think it could happen. And I think it could actually be compelling if they did it right. I think it could be compelling if they have, you know, basically Hell's Kitchen is going crazy because, you know, there's a power vacuum with Kingpin in jail and on trial or something. <laughs> but it, it could be compelling it could be, if, it, if they do it right. I think that could be a really interesting story. It just can't be the only story going on. Um, okay, so that's the, their conversation there. Uh, we do get some more conversation because we cut to the hospital where Night Nurse meets Foggy and Karen briefly. And Daredevil calls Night Nurse for help because he has a guy who's bleeding out next to him and he wants the guy to not die. Now, now we're talking to Ben Avery. Shouldn't you be complaining about coincidence at the moment? coincidence that people who live in the same region and who need to visit a hospital meet someone but, who works but at she a hadn't hospital. been to work the first time she comes to work foggy and karen come doesn't that feel like a coincidence ben no because it's character driven mm. why is she at work for the first time because there is four or five explosions that have rocked her neighborhood she is going to go. It doesn't matter that the Russians are out for her. She has to go because she's compelled to because she's a good person and a compassionate person. So, no, this is this is character driven that brought her there. That's kind all of right, all right. that kind of coincidence I really I can live with. All right. Well, let's move past this coincidence. Okay. Any other coincidences you want to No, I'm good. Okay. Like the coincidence there just happens to be a flare in the room that they chose to hide out in. Like you couldn't have found a way to use the broken glass <laughs> to focus the light, like a magnifying glass when you're, you're trying to fry ants or leaves or something in the complete darkness of the night. Yes, they could have done that moonlight. They could use moonlight through the glass to cauterize. Anyway, that's a coincidence I can live with, but yeah, I do kind of roll my eyes at that kind of thing, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And sometimes what you got to do is just get the story moving and rolling. But yeah, that's a coincidence. Uh, she gives him instructions over the phone and talks about how it's not as easy <laughs> as it is in the movies. Um, and Matt has a good answer there. I, I don't go to many movies because. Yes, he's, we, he's we all know he's blind. He's blind. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what though again I've known many blind people in my time 
on this fair planet, and many of them go to movies. I would. If I was blind. And plays? You can get descriptive audio services at plays. You can get the descriptive audio services. And if it's the right kind of movie, you don't even need that necessarily if the dialogue is carrying it and, and the acting is good. And if you have a friend who's willing to to help you out. Yeah, I'm sat with uh, a loved one many an hour and described the action on the TV. So stereotypical. What's so stereotypical? To say he doesn't go to movies. It is a little bit. Or maybe he doesn't go to movies because he doesn't like them. That could also be true. In a character-driven way. I, I don't know. I like the way he just kind of shuts her down with that. <laughs> and the other thing is... If you were a superhero, I don't know if I would want to go to movies. Do you think Bruce Wayne goes to movies? Well, but think about this, though. And I've wondered about this often. As a writer, I actually enjoy watching movies about writers. Like Throw Mama from the Train, for example. It's a favorite movie about, of mine because it's about writing. And I've wondered, do... And I, and I asked a police officer friend of mine, do you like watching police shows and police movies? And he, he likes watching them when they're not so realistic. Because he doesn't want to see his job, you know. But Yeah, anyway, so there we are. And a police officer hears the screaming from oh, the cauterizer. Officer Sullivan. I, uh, I wrote down, good cop, poor guy. And then I also wrote down, imagine being a good cop on that day. Well, and how long we find out that Mr. Sullivan's only been on the force for what, two months? Something like that. How long before he was in Fisk's pocket? That's a again, this is a question that, that's come up as I was watching the end of this episode, and I'm just thinking, these are all on the take. All of them. Everyone who's involved here is either just following orders blindly, which is I guess there's no reason not to trust your superiors if you think that they really do have the best interest of the public at heart or they are they're following bad orders evil orders and 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 doing it you know they they're they're on either one side of that or the other and this is where i started having i was reminded of heat that movie but i was also reminded of serpico which is a movie from the 70s with uh, i think it's pacino I always get them yep. mixed up. Yeah, Pacino. I'm pretty sure it's Pacino. And, you know, it's all about a, a good cop who doesn't want to be on the take, and, and he's having a hard time being a cop because his his peers are pressuring him. And and that's – I'm having these kind of background stories in my head as I'm like, okay, those two guys, you know, what's their story? So anyway, someone else is doing his job from here, and that's Ben. And he's having a, he has background, it looks like, with Laurel and Hardy. I can't remember those guys' names, so I just wrote down Laurel and Hardy in my notes. But uh, those two cops who are just not good dudes. And you know what's really bad is I don't remember their names either. There's a whole bunch of characters in this program. I don't catch their names. It's a, it's a wide cast, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, they aren't disposable though. I mean, and they aren't interchangeable. So it's not like that. It's not like, Oh, there's eight characters and it doesn't matter who they are. <laughs> they're, 
there are people who, I mean, these two guys are, these two officers, they're important to the plot here. They're very important. But uh, Laurel and Hardy, that's... Talking, I'll, I'll figure out who they well, are. Well, Laurel and Hardy, that's the, uh, that's the shorthand here. Uh, back to Fisk and Wesley. They got to finish it, but there's a complication, and that's Ben Urich. And then we get more talky-talky and backstory as he helps Vladimir. Daredevil uh, is finding out that he doesn't really know very much at all. And I like what they, they bring up. They bring up the, uh, the Al Capone connection. Do you know who Leslie Shumway is? And some people might say, oh, is that Alf's cousin? Ha <laughs> ha. Gordon because Shumway. That's Alf's name. And, you know, some people might say something about Julie Shumway from Under the Dome. But, yeah, I've never seen it, buddy. But, the uh, and by the way, we have on the Noodle Mix Network, there's a pretty good Under the Dome podcast called Under the Dome Radio. A little plug for the, the Shumway connection. But um, he's talking about Al Capone's accountant, and that's how they brought in Al Capone. And so Vladimir is basically teasing Daredevil, saying, hey, I can give you a name. That will help you to take down Fisk, but it's not the way you think he's going to be taken down. You're going to have to take him down in this kind of back, backdoor entrance. And then, <laughs> and then they get in a little bit of a fight, a little bit of fighty fighty, and they fall through the floor. And that's not good. They're both hurt. They're both not moving and... Yeah. And then the TV cameras show up because the police officer that we were talking about, Sullivan, um, Daredevil did try to reason with him, but that didn't work because he's a Stupid good cop kid. doing his job. I mean, you've got a guy in a mask who's telling you to just call in it all clear. Call it in is all clear. What are you going to do if you're a good cop doing your job? You're not going to call in all clear. Even with the risk because he's he's looking and he sees a guy with a mask and a civilian and so that's what he says but ben he doesn't know that the force is made up of detective blake and hoffman's he doesn't know that but that doesn't matter he's making for him the right choice the good choice the moral choice and i say bravo officer sullivan <laughs> bravo you and paxton buddy paxton he says bravo no no bravo officer sullivan i'm just going to leave it at that because we're not going to be seeing officer sullivan very much longer daredevil cold cocks him knocks him out and outside the tv cameras show up laurel and hardy are taunting ben because he's a relic from an old time it's not good we find out then we we cut over to karen and foggy who talking and, and Karen reveals that she's had worse first dates than a bomb going off in the neighborhood and causing her friend and the person that they're visiting to both need to visit the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> so the SWAT team is now coming in and yeah, this is this is some craziness, but this is then when we get into that thing that made me think of heat where Daredevil, he's waking up, he's getting up Vladimir, he's waking up and Fisk makes contact. 
over and this is a radio. probably the most tense sets of set of the show for me. This is our first confrontation between our villain and our hero, and this is some good stuff. I have to say it. This is some really, really good stuff. I like the setup. I like the the content. Um, and yeah, we get mission statements from both. We find out about shared goals, but differing differing uh, operationalizations. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to do it in different. They both want to help the city. They both want to make Hell's Kitchen a better place. It's just. Matt is looking to protect everyone and well Fisk some people don't deserve to survive and you get a feeling of almost condescension from Fisk yeah because Matt doesn't understand the reality of the situation he's not a realist yeah King. I mean Vladimir he's working he worked with Vladimir because Vladimir has to go he is a child kidnapper and drug dealer Hell's Kitchen doesn't need Vladimir now, he will use Vladimir's power, his influence, and his yes. criminal activity as a tool to further his own goals. But he always knew, as he said in the last episode, the Russians eventually had to go. Yeah. And as he's talking, he also then talks about how he he, he says it a couple times. I ad- admire what you're trying to do. I admire what you're trying to do. But you're a child trying to play at being a hero. You, you have, like you said, then you have no idea what's going on and you have your ideology, but your conviction is what makes you dangerous. So the, what made the Russians dangerous was that they actually were not good people doing pretty despicable things to people. But with Daredevil, what makes him a problem is he's got conviction and he believes in right and wrong and he's going to walk that line. Great scene. Great scene. I love it. Meanwhile, outside, why do we keep going back to Ben and Laurel and Harvey? Hardy? Well, because wow. of this scene here. Why? Because we're putting a sniper on the roof. And we've seen him, I don't know if it was twice, but we've seen him before he actually does what he's doing here, I think. But he's up on the roof, and you're wondering, oh, is he going to try and take down Daredevil? Through a window or something? No. On live television, he shoots down police. They this this marks Daredevil as a cop killer. Well, but Daredevil doesn't use guns. Yeah, and everybody in the city knows that. No, they don't. Oh. Yeah. Well, Vladimir will tell him. Yeah, because everyone's going to try. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, they won't. Yeah. And even if he was alive, they wouldn't trust him, really. But the the tape goes live. Night Nurse sees it. Foggy and Karen see it. And we get their reactions. Um, the reaction of Foggy is basically guys who have masks usually have something to hide. And Which I almost say anyone who's wearing a mask for anything other than, you know, going trick-or-treating probably does have something to Would hide. You quit giving those trick-or-treaters the benefit of the doubt. I just can't help it. I just can't help it. I even give candy to teenagers. <gasps> what if they don't wear a costume? No, no candy for them. But 
So they have to put in the effort. They have to put in some effort. They cannot just walk up with a bag. I have turned away three teenagers in my life because, yeah, that's just not going to happen. I told them, I just said, sorry, dude, you're not wearing a mask. You got nothing to hide. So start hiding stuff and then you can come back. You know, I don't know if that's good advice to give a teenager. Okay, probably not. But put some effort into it, bub. That's that's good advice, right? Sure. Well, it's the advice I'm given. And they accepted it. He kind of looked at me sheepishly. Yeah. But he knew. Yeah, he totally knew. He totally knew. Anyway, that's Foggy's reaction. Karen's reaction is, no, this guy saved my life. This is not that guy. This guy is not a killer. He is a hero. Mm-hmm. And so that's, again, these, these are character beats, character moments. They're nice. They are, we're cutting away from the tension of the, the situation with Daredevil to go and, and peek in on, on some, some other friends of ours. We, I'm enjoying their scenes. I'm enjoying them together. And then Night Nurse calls Daredevil, says, they say you're doing, you did this, what's going on? And yeah. So then, meanwhile, Daredevil's trying to escape with Vladimir. Officer Sullivan gets killed. Killed? Officer Sullivan is murdered by a SWAT team member. Yeah, this is where, this is where I'm starting to be like, how deep does this corruption run? And, and if you want to talk about cold, I mean, he literally calls in Sullivan's dead and Sullivan's like, what? I'm right here. And then he takes this is a, not money, Python <laughs> takes a knife and stabs. I mean, him like it's right brutal. Yeah. Not only is he cruel because he's basically announcing the death of Sullivan to Sullivan's to face, his face. Yeah. Yeah. But it's cruel because the way he's killed with a knife is brutal. But this, like I'm saying, this is where I'm saying, okay, so how deep does this corruption go? Because this guy is an evil guy. This SWAT team member is not just a, yeah, I'm going to look the other way because someone no, is giving me. Evil. No, yeah, this is an evil person who's choosing to do an evil thing. And he can't be the only one on his SWAT team because he would run the risk of being seen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, well, and I've, it, at one point, does Matt even question if the SWAT team is actually SWAT? He might. I, I'm not sure. I can't remember that. But I mean, the truth is, it wouldn't matter. It doesn't matter if they actually are or not. They're doing what Kingpin wants them to do, and they're doing it in the name of the police. And the police, if they're not doing this, if this is not SWAT, the police who are there are looking the other way. Laurel and Hardy would be looking the other way if they weren't laying in the street bleeding. Oh, oh Detective Blake in your blood. <laughs> so Daredevil goes down into the sewers. Well, no, not exactly, but. Yeah, and, and you know, at first I totally thought it was a sewer, so I'm glad they explained that it was, in fact, access tunnels. An access tunnel. Yeah. I, I kind of hoped it was sewers at first because. I mean, that's classic. Well, there's that. There's the first of all, the classic, all of our New York heroes in the Marvel Universe, they spend time in the sewers. And, you know, Spider-Man, there was a running gag for a while where he couldn't get his costume to smell right, you know. But um, 
Yeah, but then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, who are in the sewers, and the same chemicals that turn Daredevil into Daredevil are what turn the Mutant Ninja Turtles into the Mutant Ninja Turtles, according to Mutant Ninja Turtle continuity. Not according to official Marvel continuity. I was going to say, Marvel's totally not digging that. No. Well, they might be digging, digging it. They're just not claiming it. I, I do think it's interesting that you have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which were basically a parody of Daredevil and, and, and that with, you have the foot clan instead of the hand, you know, those kind of things. The same accident is meant to have turned them into, you know, mutant Ninja Turtles easily, easily more popular than Daredevil with more money being made, even in some pretty awful movies and a couple not too bad movies. But, yeah, it's unfortunate and interesting. So we're in the, the, the ninja-free access tunnels. Yes. And Matt's, you know, the blind guy is using a flashlight. <laughs> well, you got to keep up appearances, right? You know, I hadn't thought about it that way because my note to myself says, Matt uses a flashlight for Vladimir's or for our benefit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have to light him up somehow. That's true. That's true. But I think that they would do a, a little bit more, a little bit less realistic natural lighting if, if they weren't going to. I think we're okay. Yeah. But I did find it interesting. And we have a big, nice, giant fighty fight fight where we have a good use of a lack of lighting. Yes. with the And a lot of gunfire going off in different directions. And I was tense as I'm thinking to myself. These bullets are going everywhere, and you can't see where they're going. Is Vladimir going to get it? Because Matt is convinced he has to get Vladimir out, because Vladimir is his key. He's going to tell him who this Shumway is. Yeah, who is the Kingpin's Leslie Shumway? And and Vladimir, of course, has got his mission statement of he's not going to die like this. He's not. But he, I don't know if you've noticed this up until this point. Villains in this show have a tendency to go away forever. Forever. <laughs> like his brother. Yeah, but he means he's not going to go out like a punk. Yeah, but in the sense of we're going to get this trend of it's beginning to feel like that if you're a bad guy in this show, you're not going to make it out of an episode. And this is Vladimir's episode not to make it out of. It begins to feel like. Yeah, yeah, and he's going to go down fighting. And we, we, first of all, we find out it's he controls uh, Kingpin controls all police and judges, so that your your dream of that that trial ain't happening. And there's only one way for Daredevil to win, and, and is he willing to do that? Right, and he says no, he's not. And I love this quote. This is what Vladimir says. He says, the moment you put on the mask, you got into cage with animals. Animals don't stop fighting. Not until one of them is dead. Well, that's great, Ben. Just continue to talk for a while. This is going to take me a bit now. Oh. Yep, just keep going. Well, you can, we can stop nope, recording nope, and nope, rewind. Nope, and nope, nope, just keep going. 
Okay. Uh, it's a good quote. I wanted to talk about it. It's a good well, and it, it's a deep quote. I mean, this is really the big question. We've seen Claire earlier talk to Matt about how far he will go. Is he that kind of guy? The sort of guy that would kill someone in order to protect the city? Claire, you know, he, he actually calls Claire and gives him gives Claire her goodbyes and says, Claire, you were right about me. And this is reconfirming, you know, Matt isn't the person who's just going to kill to kill. No, he's not. And, and, and this is, this is our, our, I don't know if the mission statement is quite the right word here, but this is a powerful, powerful theme here in that Kingpin and Daredevil, two sides of the same coin kind of thing. He's in a cage with someone who won't stop fighting until one of them is dead. How is he going to stop that guy without killing him. And so the moral code, the moral line that Daredevil has drawn in the sand, he's not going to kill him. He will bring him to justice. Daredevil, yes, he's out there fighting and he is out there fighting as a vigilante outside of the law. But he believes in the law. That's why he practices as a lawyer. And he is convinced that he's going to take Kingpin down, not because he's some sort of child playing a superhero, but because he believes that there has to be order. There has to be law and putting on his mask does not, does not turn him into judge and jury or into judge and jury and executioner. And this is where, you know, kind of a crisis point for Daredevil. He's being told by a bad guy, you're not going to win without killing this guy. He is being warned by a close friend. What if you have to kill? Will you go that far? Because it looks like you might have to do that if you're going to win this. Are you that guy? It's good. It's good stuff. This is a, a, another strong, strong episode. Here's my complaint, Daniel. If okay, I'm listening. If it's all so far as good as it's been for me here, um, is this just the normal? Should we just, ah, uh, yeah. It's another great episode of television. I, I, I feel like I, I've settled in. And if they're going to, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting complacent. I'm just expecting it to be good. I'm just expecting well, did you it know, to. Stick's going to be the best episode ever. That's coming next. Get that expectation high. Yeah. Do you remember the message you left for that one? Oh, I remember that one. <laughs> I have very strong emotions about stick. You see, what I had to do as I was looking for the right voicemail is I listened to the one before the one you left. I was like, no, that's the last episode. I listened to the one you left and I thought, okay, that is that his whole entire message? Okay. I listened to the next one. No, he's talking about stick. Stick is stick in this. He wasn't based on the tone of my voice. I'm guessing my message about stick is what I think it is. Yeah, it is what you think it is. Yeah. So beyond that, then we find out the name of the Shumway. And who is the Shumway? Oswald. What? Oh, sorry. Oswald. Uh, I, <laughs> Oswald. Wrong Oswald. show, dude. 
You went Owsley. over to Gotham, man. Owsley. Yeah, it's it's Leland Owsley. I wrote a bunch of exclamation points behind it as I realized, oh, but Vladimir's telling him that's who he enough. is. Yeah, Owsley yeah. will not be enough. And our final shot is Daredevil walking toward the camera as we hear gunshots in the background as Vladimir takes his last stand. And so Daredevil doesn't kill, but he does just walk away as a murderer is killing. Yeah, but that murderer is dying. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's, that's yeah, good. he's dying and he's using him as his getaway without him holding them off. <laughs> I mean, Matt's not even running. <laughs> no, he's just walking straight into the camera. He's like, I'm just walking here nice and calm. Just an innocent guy in an access tunnel in a mask. I'm sure no one will notice me as no, I walk casually. No, no. He's not walking casually. He's walking with purpose. Here, he's let me walking, put my headphones in. He's walking just with chill his out arms to my out, ready to walk through the access tunnel that no one else is in, <laughs> except for these SWAT team guys with guns. Yeah. And instead of fading out or fading to black as you know his chest walks toward the camera, we're going straight into his forehead because it's just the black mass right there on his of his mask. And <laughs> it's a great ending for this episode. It's a perfect ending for this episode. Last time we ended on a cliffhanger. This time we end and and Daredevil has has more purpose I think. I think he's more resolute. He has a name and he's going after Kingpin. He's going after Kingpin. It's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. It is. It is on like Donkey Kong. Ugh. Just made me think about a movie I saw recently that I hated compared to Ant-Man Pixels well, terrible movie here well, let's terrible, just go ahead terrible spoil, movie. spoil it for everyone what, Ben Pixels? is not a fan of Pixels and I know everybody wants to see Pixels because it's going to remind us of our childhood and I'm going to be honest Ben and I don't agree on everything but he's actually made me rethink my thoughts on Pixels because my kids wanted to go and it's pretty clear from comments that you've made to me Pixels is not a movie I want to take my kids to Ah. Oh. It was terrible. It was awful. Ant-Man, has, I have problems with, but it's the kind of problems that I can talk about with my kids and be like, yeah, this and that, this and that. Pixels, it's just... How do I explain I, to my children like, that, that story and logic? and Why are we talking about that? Well, not even story and logic, but marginalizing women. That too. But I mean, Which I'm, not I'm just trying... Of. That's something that I've had some conversations with my daughters about, though. Well, and, I, dude, I'm going to be blunt. As you know, I spend a good portion of my week with 40-some girls. Mm-hmm. And I don't need mass media telling them on the weekends that they can't do things when one of the biggest pushes that I'm making during the week is you can. You can put your mind to doing anything. So I don't need something like Pixels making them trophies. Yeah, but they're trophies who kick like ninjas when they're... I'm not going to get into it. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it. It's Adam Sandler at his worst. And I kind of have a soft spot for Adam Sandler. Why are we talking about pixels? Okay, back to Daredevil. Back to Daredevil. Great episode. I enjoyed myself. 
And I think we got some feedback about it. So are you ready for that? Or should when we... When do we do our billy clubs? I can't, I can't remember. That's remember. after feedback. That's for our final okay. verdict. So, I, I got to think that through too. Oh, I don't have to think it through. As long as we can give halves. All right, are you ready? Two. I've been giving halves the whole time. Let's go. Witness testimony. Oh, here we are. We've got some messages. We got one from Agent Curtis, and then we have one that is from Evan, but it's it's half Ant Man and half King. Uh, well, half half this episode. Um, I say we go King Solomon and just cut that one in half. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I'll start with Agent Evan and and that half, and then the other half will be after the credits. Uh, minor spoilers for Daredevil. I want to talk about Wilson Fisk for a second. If you've watched the entire series, you know that Fisk never officially receives his nickname Kingpin in some cleverly contrived MCU fashion. Or does he? I submit that they have MCU Fisk's nickname quite nicely. While pondering who could be the mysterious leader behind the new criminal organization, Ben Urich cobbles together a bulletin board with strings and playing cards to help illustrate the criminal hierarchy. In Fisk's slot, he plays a king card. And what does he do then? He sticks a pin in it. Boom. King. Pin. So there's that. <laughs> well, there we go. And you're not the only smart person out there. No. Um, should we do his um, amazing Spider-Man stuff here? Too? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Wait, I. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's hear. I mean, let's do this here. Atrocity. Yeah, because we do when we were talking about Ant-Man and, and movies and Ant- Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, Agent Evan is someone who defends it. He says, you guys are doing a smashing job with the podcast. I'll leave you with these final thoughts. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was the best live action on-screen Spider-Man depiction we've ever had. (laughs) Can I unfriend him on Facebook? (laughs) I'm sorry. Evan, we we love you. We appreciate you. Um, I just read that out loud. I didn't... Okay. Dubstep, Dubstep Electro was unique and well acted. I'll I'll grant him style there for for Electro with the uh, the music in his head and the way that the music kind of echoed the thoughts and stuff that was kind of cool. But uh, Harry Goblin was disappointing. I agree that it was way too overstuffed. I like the ending. It was just as good as a web slinging montage. It was ranked on my list not as a piece of art, but on the level of personal enjoyment I received from it. And yes, I did enjoy it more than Guardians of the Galaxy. It's Spider-Man. Mic drop. <laughs> uh, he, he starts out the email with everybody's got issues with the Amazing Spider-Man 2, apparently. Um, because most people have logic. I'll, I'll say here, those of you who are not going to listen past the credits because you don't want to be spoiled about Ant-Man, his thoughts about Ant-Man are actually, they're good. We cannot, listeners, hold his opinion of Spider-Man two against him. And but I want to, well, Daniel, I really, can I throw stones at this glass house? I can't, I can't. I enjoy watching the swamp thing TV series. I can't throw stones at this house. I enjoy watching seventies action shows that, I'm just no good for the A team is the best series of all time, but perhaps we should move on. A team is 80s. Oh, I know that. I'm just saying I, I like a little camp too, though. Yeah, yeah. 
but just all that to say, you know, I can't throw, we all have our things that we like. I'm not going to call them guilty pleasures. There's no reason to feel guilty about it unless it's something that's really, really, really awful. Like morally. Anyway, over to uh, Agent Curtis. You want to read that one? Absolutely. Good day to you, Ben and Daniel. Agent Kurt here, or should I be Avocado Kurt for these Daredevil reviews, for those who get the reference? You know what? I'll stick with the latter. I've been loving your Daredevil reviews so far and can't wait to, can't wait to hear more of them. Anyway, just dropping by to give you a feedback on Episode 5, World on Fire. I just wanted to say that when I was watching Daredevil the first time, I was already sold on it from Episode 1, and this to me was another strong episode. I like you talked about the awkward nature of the dates, especially when it came to Foggy and Karen. I've seen the series twice now, and each time that moment came up, it's a little cringy and awkward for sure. Like Daniel, I liked the kiss between Claire and Matt, even though I knew it had happened, and it just felt right. It seemed like the start of something beautiful. As for the relationships, at that point, I was totally down with all three relationships. Matt and Karen felt so natural and would have been sad if nothing came of that, Wilson and Vanessa, again, was another relationship that felt natural, and I rooted so hard for them to hook up because of Fisk's awkward nature and clear feelings for her. And even though I was a little iffy about fucking Karen, because I wasn't sure if she was really into him, they looked nice together. I also love the scene with Daredevil appearing in the alleyway and beating up those guys while Madame Gao's blind dude was just singing in a taxi. It was a wonderfully shot scene with a good use of music and suspense. But bloody hell! was so gutted to see him get killed so quickly. Just another case of an innocent person being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And since you talked about Wes, Wilson Fisk as the best villain of the MCU, I just wanted to chime in on that too. I would be inclined to agree with you pretty much. I love Kingpin in the comics, and while I was surprised by his portrayal in this show for these first five episodes, I loved how they've given him a more human, vulnerable, and socially awkward side. But give you glimpses at the madman he is and the uncontrollable rage. They can come out at any time. Still freak out over the smashing of the head in the car door. So beastly. To conclude, loving Daredevil so far, loving the pacing so far besides episode three, and I liked where the series was going at this point. P.S. Off topic, but I love the Return of the Jedi more than Empire Strikes Back. Just saying, avocado curd out. There we go. We have two votes, maybe three. I believe we've got a third vote. Return of the Jedi better than Empire Strikes Back. That's that's great. That was my takeaway. <laughs> okay. I, I just like to win sometimes, Ben. There's nothing to win here. There's nothing Honor. to win. Honor. Okay. I'll I'll give you your honor. You 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 win. Somehow, I don't know what you're winning, but I know. The new prize winner of the day. There you go, my friend. I, I'd like to thank my podcast partner, Ben, for all the, for, for 105 episodes before this date. I'd like to thank Agent Anderson for believing in a young kid. I'd, I'd like to thank Mrs. Butcher for all the time that she said, I guess. Um, I'd like to thank Clark Gregg for inspiring me to be a better person. And finally, I'd like to just thank Ryan Sandberg for being the best uh, childhood idol that I could have that was not pop culture related. 
You should also thank Avocado per Kurt for agreeing with you, which is what allowed you to get this prize. Thank you, Avocado Kurt. Yes. Anyway. It's uh, a big day for me right there. <laughs> so, he, yeah, he's talking about the, the relationships. I'm curious. You know, we've got more things going on with Matt and Claire. And, you know, that relationship, uh, without spoiling it, it goes in different directions than I was expecting. And I do appreciate that they, yes, they did kiss, but they do also have this kind of genuine concern for each other. And yeah, it works. It's good. It's good. I got one more uh, message to play. And this is not about uh, Daredevil, but it's not about Ant-Man. So I'm going to include it here. Uh, because it's about the conversation we were having about what Spider-Man villain would we like to see in the Spider-Man movie. Hello, Daniel and Ben. This is Agent Anderson calling you. I am catching up on the podcast, and I was just hearing you guys discuss who could possibly be the villain in the new Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man movie. And you mentioned Kraven. I think that would be good, but I think Ben's right. That is more of a sequel villain. Uh, I doubt we'll see Green Goblin again. Here's what I'm thinking it's going to be. The Chameleon. Um, for his ability to change his face. He's a master of disguise. And you might be thinking to yourself, why would this be a good character to use in the Spider-Man movie? He's, I mean, it's not that special. But guess what, guys? Chameleon appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man number one. That's right. Although this wasn't Spider-Man's first appearance, the beginning of his ongoing series featured the chameleon. So I think it's a pretty good villain. I'd like to see the chameleon. It's a little bit more down-to-earth, not a super crazy villain. I think that's exactly what they need in the MCU. So watch for that in 2017, Spider-Man versus the chameleon. All right, well, that's it. Thanks for the great podcast, guys. I'll talk to you soon over at comicbooktimemachine.com. <laughs> I like how he did that little bit of a sing-songy. Uh, I'm just excited because I just thanked Agent Anderson and there he is. And because of uh, how good I'm feeling about him right now, he's completely correct. I think it'd be interesting. It would be something we haven't seen on screen before and it could bring a different dynamic. When when I say something we haven't seen on screen before, I mean that particular character. Uh, It would bring a different dynamic to the, the, the conflict because you have a character who could be anyone. There's some cool stuff you could do with that. Some really neat stuff you could do with that. I like that idea. Absolutely. So if anyone else has an idea of who the villain should be, please go ahead and and contact us. You can write us or leave a voicemail by just calling 17755-level7. That's 17755553 Five seven, or you can just go to welcomelevel7.com/feedback. You can send us a message there. So, Daniel, I think it's time for us to move on then to our uh, final verdict and and give our our rating uh, of how many Billy Clubs out of five do we give this episode? Condemned. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. You sound ready. Final verdict. You want to go first? You want me to go first? 
You you go first. I'll go, I'll go first. I, I think it's no secret that I liked this episode. I think it's no secret that I thought this episode was fantastic. And it had lots of talky-talky-talky, but the talky-talky-talky was good talky-talky-talky. The fighty-fighty-fighty was good fighty-fighty-fighty, and there wasn't a lot of it, but what we had, these spurts of violence, really, was, was good. And the conversation, the actual talk of the talky-talky-talky on the walkie-talkie uh, was really sharp, sharp writing. And so I, I I don't know what it is that's holding me back from actually giving it a full-on five, but I'm going to go with four and a half. Now, for some reason, I can't give this episode a five because that's perfection. And there was something about this episode that wasn't perfection, but it was just this side of it. So four and a half, Billy Clubs, out of five. How about you, Daniel? Uh, let's just go ahead and call this a sweep. Four and a half Billy Cubs. Clubs. Okay. Wow. Nice. I wasn't expecting you to go that high. You know, I really wasn't expecting it either. But as I thought about it more. See, here's my problem, Ben. My rewatch is 430 in the morning. <laughs> that is a problem. And so where part of that problem is, is I got to reprocess what I think. And I mean, I, I enjoyed this episode in my rewatch. I, I had a good time with it. Um didn't necessarily feel tense because again, it was four 30 in the morning, but just hearing my voice and my tension level. And as you said, it was going to sneak up on me. Made me really rethink what I thought about this episode. And so I feel four and a half is really what it deserves because clearly it had an impact on me. Excellent. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. And it was it was good. So next episode is called Stick. And in that episode, Daredevil meets Groot. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure we'll be perhaps recording the most controversial episode of Welcome to Level 7 ever. Wow. That's quite a statement. Yeah, you know, just trying to put a cliffhanger out there to bring the kids back. Okay. All right. We also have a comic episode coming up. It'll probably be in two episodes. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to get your, your feedback about Stick, about the first half of the series, episode seven is that exact middle point um, because it's an odd number of episodes. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Like I said, welcometo7.com slash feedback. And so I just want to put it out there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for engaging with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash welcome to level seven. And thanks for retweeting our episodes and just thanks for being awesome. I'm talking to you, listener. Yes, you, the one with the speakers and or earbuds <laughs> who's sitting and or standing and or walking. I'm talking to you. You're awesome. We appreciate you. Daniel, you got anything more to say? Here's the thing, Ben. You like 70s TV. I like 70s TV. I like 80s TV. You like 80s TV. Mm -hmm. we both, you have a soft spot for Adam Sandler. I have a soft spot for Adam Sandler. Mm -hmm. You pick all the quotes that I would like to use <laughs> for the ending of the show. But in the end, we're nothing alike.
Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level 7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level 7 pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Once again, thanks for listening, and remember, Welcome to Level 7. It's not just a podcast. It's a magical place. All right, so we got some spoilers coming up. If you've not seen Ant-Man, please be careful to what you're about to listen to right now. And Daniel, you ready? Let's do it. We've got, let's see. One. Really, there's only three emails and then one one voice message we need to play. So it won't be too long, but... First one comes from Agent Jessica. And she says, Hey guys, I'm kind of behind on your podcast, which is why I haven't written for a while, but I wanted to send in my feedback on Ant-Man since I saw it over the weekend. I really don't know how much I really don't know much about Ant-Man in the comics other than a lot of people really don't like Hank Pym due to his abusive behavior, which is probably why that is not the version of Ant-Man they chose to focus on. And that he has a suit that can make him shrink and command ants. A lot of people told me the best part of the Hank Hank Pym comics was the Wasp storyline, which I figured we wouldn't really get in this movie. I really didn't hear much about the Scott Lang Ant-Man, good or bad, but being a Marvel fan and from seeing the latest trailers, I was still excited to see it opening weekend. Going into it, I was expecting a fun, low-stress superhero movie, and I felt like that's what I got. To me, it felt like a good heist movie with some superhero fun thrown into the mix. I thought the special effects were great with the perspective shots for Scott when he was small, and I really liked the music. Christoph Beck always does a great job. There's a lot of humor, so overall I thought it was a good movie. As for the MCU tie-ins, I loved seeing Peggy and Howard at the beginning and thought the special effects on making Michael Douglas look younger, look like a younger Hank Pym, were pretty good. I knew Falcon was going to make an appearance, but wasn't sure of the context from the previews. I really liked that they had a bit of a fight scene and that Ant-Man was trying to break into the Avengers facility, formerly Stark's facility apparently. Like that they threw in Hydra as a buyer for the Yellow Jacket tech, and having the Avengers mentioned by Scott was pretty fun. I thought the Stan Lee cameo was fun. Not my favorite, but not the worst either. One of the biggest problems I had with the movie was I felt like they were building up Hope Van Dyne to be a really cool character, but didn't really do much with her. I know it wasn't her movie, but it almost felt like it should have been a team-up movie with her as Wasp. I know they kind of explained it away as her dad loved her too much and Scott was expendable, but I felt like that was a little weak. I did like that they gave a bit of backstory to what happened to Janet, but I would have really liked to have to see Hope suit up in this movie. Kevin Feige says we will see her in Phase 3 sometime, but not in Civil War, which I'm okay with, but I would still have liked to see her in action instead of just helping train Scott. Speaking of Janet, since they went through the trouble of saying the subatomic level is out of time, does that mean she could still be alive? Just wondering, because I almost felt like they were hinting at that. I half expected Scott to bump into her in that kaleidoscope realm he entered. As for the end credit scene with Falcon, Cap, and Bucky, I thought that was pretty cool. 
while I was watching it, I couldn't quite figure out what was actually taking place other than it looked like they had Bucky being held there using a vice on his special arm. I had to look it up after, look it up after but Kevin Feige actually said that is a scene being filmed for Civil War, which I thought was pretty cool. And it gave the, the context to help it make more sense. <clears throat> I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it and would like to know what was the same... Th- from the comics, if anything, especially with the characters themselves, including Yellow Jacket. Thanks, as always, for the great podcast. Hope I can catch up on the Daredevil episode soon. Agent Jessica. Um, moving backwards, uh, Yellow Jacket is actually a character name that Ant-Man used. <laughs> Hank, Hank yep. Pym has been Yellow Jacket. Hank Pym has been... Well, okay, first he was Giant Man, which was... I think, for me, kind of cool and kind of No, I clever. thought he was Ant-Man, then he was Giant-Man. No, he was Ant-Man first. Then he became Giant-Man because he was able to not just shrink, but he's able to grow, which I like that idea that they, they did the Giant-Man thing. Uh, he was Yellow Jacket for a while because that allowed him to fly along with And don't with forget those periods of life in wasp. which he was Hank Pym. Yes. And then there was a while when he hung up the suit and then Scott Lang stole the suit stole the suit not because he needed money for a child support but because he needed money for a heart transplant for his daughter Cassie and then you have a third Ant-Man who I just don't like at oh all. Grady nobody cares about him yeah. looking for my Secret Avengers uh, reviews he bumps in there but here Darren Cross let's throw in Darren Cross here yeah Darren Cross is part of that Scott Lang origin story um, he's the one who was holding the doctor hostage that Scott Lang needed to free. And in that ant, that new Ant-Man, the all-new Marvel Now Ant-Man that you and I discussed issue number one on a comic episode. Yeah. Two nights ago, I read the... Uh, I read the... Uh, the full story? The full story. I think I might have accidentally returned it. I wanted to write a little mini comic file on it. Oh, my goodness. Did I forget that? Well, uh, but anyway. Darren Cross shows up in that. Or at least I should say the body of Darren Cross and his son shows up in that. And basically he's a big pink guy. Okay. <laughs> and apparently in the, the Scott Lang origin, he was kidnapping people so he could steal things like their hearts. Yeah. He wasn't a good guy. Not a good guy. Um, but anyway, yeah, the whole Hank Pym, Scott Lang thing. Yeah, Hank Pym, not likable in the comics. But... Just because they never really knew how to use them, I think. And, and people and were using his tech all over thing. the place. I mean, people became Goliath. Hawkeye was Goliath for a little while. Uh, he was shrinking, and, or not shrinking, he was he was growing into this, like, 10-foot guy. And Anyway, um, moving backward, the end credit scene. Yeah, I think he was in a vice. <laughs> Almost looks like they were in, like, a, a high school wood shop or something like that. They Nobody puts Bucky in a vice. <laughs> They got him trapped there on the saw table or something. Um, Going up to Hope and her character being a cool character but didn't do much with her. Here's the one thing that I thought was kind of interesting. And and that is she was kind of a viewpoint character for us as the viewer. She's the one who's saying what we're all thinking. I can do this better than him. Your plan, Dad, isn't great. And we're saying the same thing, but she's saying it for us. And then Scott Lang is proving her wrong and proving us wrong. Um, Because I do wonder, wait a minute, if she could just shrink 
and she's already on the inside, why, why couldn't she just, no, we're not going to go there. Um, because I don't feel like deconstructing it too much more because I enjoyed myself. Uh, let's see. Stanley was in the movie. Yeah. We didn't talk about that. He was in the, uh, the story that Luis told at the end of the movie. He was the bartender. And he actually had a couple moments where he was moving his mouth with Luis. So with Luis's what we're dialogue. basically pointing out here is two uh, Stanley cameos back to back. All about alcohol. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. I totally see Stan loving that. So, yeah, thank you, Agent Jessica. And the, yeah, this is this is good. I, I like the way you described going what you, you were thinking going in going into it. I thought I, I was expecting rather a fun, low stress superhero movie, and I feel like that's what I got. That's a really great description, I guess. You want to do? Let's see. You want to do Agent Curtis or Avocado Curtis? Um. About Ant-Man? No, I have to search through here. He's, and that's right, Avocado Curtis. I murder another one of your emails. <laughs> Go for it. Cool review on Ant-Man. Always, I appreciated your thoughts on these Marvel movies. I generally enjoyed this film far more than I expected. I went into the film feeling optimistic. However, I wasn't sure how much I'd like it. But this film exceeded my expectations. And I felt leaving... Felt feeling more happy with this film more so than Avengers 2 and I think they have something to do with the smaller size of the scale of the story simpler premise interesting use of the heist genre and lack of heavy handed references to the MCU here's the things that stood out to me about Ant-Man 1 I love the actors in the film especially Paul Rudd Douglas and Lily their three part character dynamic was great as they had not only good banter but also good dramatic moments i was surprised by how much douglas was in the film i mean he could have easily just been a mentor and taken a backseat to scott's adventure but he was in the thick of the story and had so many great scenes rudd was very believable in his role and i liked his performance i got crisp pratt vibes vibes from him in terms of a hero who is funny smart but also courageous and cool michael peño is louise i love this guy Louise had me in stitches the first time I saw him in the film. He was crazy energetic and so funny. and His brand of humor never felt forced or phoned into me. It was just pure humor at its best, and those cutaway conversations were lovely, too. Three, the action scenes. I really liked how the action was handled for a film that's not on the Avengers scale. The action was handled really well. It was detailed, creative, made good use of the ants, but also the fights between Ant-Man and Yellow Jacket were badass whenever they were in a suitcase or fighting in Cassie's room. The re Four, the references to the MCU. I liked the references to the larger cinematic universe. They felt a little more natural than some of the other films have handled it. I really enjoyed the beginning with old Howard, older Peggy, and a younger Hank Pym, and how good was the D-Age version of Douglas. I thought it was done really well, and it was bloody impressive considering that five years ago in Tron Legacy, the younger version of Jeff Bridges looked not nearly as impressive. Also, I liked the fight between Ant-Man and Falcon. It was really cool and showed how he could be dangerous to someone as cool as the Falcon. And finally, I liked the reveal of the Wasp suit, and I liked the Civil War moment. Seeing Bucky again was cool. Hey, I'm going to just pause on that one real quick. 
you know, when you think about that scene at the beginning, we have one character we have to de-age the actor. We had another character we had to age the actor. That's true. Yeah. You know how they did that? Dynamic. They uh, they did facial uh, scans. That's a, that was a stand-in actor who had the for the body in in the shoot. And then they, they scanned in Michael Douglas and they used a lot of reference from his, his uh, movies from when he was younger. And, and um, then they, at, they applied or it. Or a time machine. I'm pretty sure they had a time machine. Sorry. Um, if they had a time machine, they would have just been using that to yeah, go back and pretty, pretty read sure comics or something. Number five, Cassie. Cassie was one of the most adorable children in recent times. She was super cute and hilarious. I love the line about the bunny and how she said that her mom was so excited that she almost chucked Chucked on her drink. Choked on her drink. Chucked, choked on her drink. That killed me. It, that was a funny line. It really was. I like how you chalked on that word. <laughs> okay, come on. I'm not a professional here. Number five, the quantum realm. I thought the introduction of the QT was pretty interesting. I knew it'd probably show up after Hank mentioned it, but when you saw Scott shrinking into it, I was surprised about how drippy and strange looking it was. It does make me wonder, since Scott found a way out, is there a chance to bring Janet back in the future films? And she will retain her youth because of the QT's lack of rules for space and time. Daniel here. (laughs) That would be Steve Rogers and Agent Carter in today's comic books. Just saying. Well, but... Here's the thing, um, it's the, they they are definitely bringing her back if they do an Ant Man two. Yeah, they are. I mean, they showed they pictures of her, top. but you never saw her face, so they could cast her in a later movie and not go against what what pictures they showed. Because even when she was on screen as Wasp, you never saw her face. Number and, six, defending yeah. Darren Cross. I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of people hate on Darren Cross as a villain. And while he's no Loki, Ultron, or Wilson Fisk, I think he's a little more memorable than some of the other MCU villains. He certainly looks, looks cooler with that badass yellow jacket suit. And while I will admit his character motivations and actions are similar that, to that of a generic villain, I thought Corey Stoll did well with the material he was given and was more active and memorable than the likes of Malekith, Ronan, or Whiplash. I do wish the film had done a better job of showing him experimenting on himself with the suit to show the progression of madness. Mm-hmm. So when he got near the end of the film, we could buy Hope's line about the suit making him crazy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Seven, it was really fun. I just felt good with the film. And at the end of the day, that's all I require with the theater experience. So he's like you there, uh, Ben. For, but number eight, yeah. like Daniel, I totally got a big Hero 6 vibe from the Quantum Realm when Scott was floating around in that empty space. It's just that in the film, it was less colorful, and there was no one in there for him to save the in cryogenic status. All in all, I would say that this is the higher end of the solo MCU movies, and I'm curious to see where these characters will go in the future. Take care, guys. Avocado Kurt out. I, yeah. Uh, there's not a lot to add to what you said there. I did totally see. I saw uh, Big Hero 6 on a big screen in a park, and I sent Ben a picture of... Uh, the ending of Big Hero 6, and he's like, what is this? And I said, Ant-Man. <laughs> it's, they have nothing to do with each other. This was being made and in production when Big Hero 6 came out. They were not ripping off Big Hero 6. They were ripping off 2001. That's what they were ripping off. And they weren't even doing it badly. It was a good ripoff of 2001. Well, sir, would you like to do the other half of Agent Evan? Yeah, and then we have one that we need to play. So, Agent Evan's thoughts on Ant-Man. 
I saw Ant-Man on the Saturday after its release with my wife and a few friends. We went to a 9.30 a.m. showing. It was a decent audience, if you can believe it. I'll just say it. I liked this movie. It was good to see Peggy and Walt Disney Stark back again, even if just briefly. Michael Douglas's CGI makeover looked pretty good, actually. I had to look hard to see that it was CGI. I would love to see a S.H.I.E.L.D. miniseries that spans decades, chronicling the formation of S.H.I.E.L.D. into what it was at the time of the Avengers. Amen. It could cameo all these great characters while not necessarily focusing exclusively on any of them, like in Agent Carter. I would like to know more about 80s S.H.I.E.L.D. I liked Scott's character, and I think he had a tad larger arc than you give him credit for, in my opinion. It's a big leap from digital Robin Hood escapades to fighting an Avenger and commanding an army of ants. Though he did start out with a solid moral core, he had to grow from a hero into a superhero. Speaking of the army of ants, Daniel, you and Antony and Remy all need to sit down and hash it out. Anyone can cook. David Cross was indeed a bland version of Obadiah Stane, but I did like the scorned son element. I thought it added something unique. I didn't pick up hardly any sexism at all for the character of Joy or Hope. Was there a Joy? No. That would be, yeah, I think she's talking about Hope. Maybe there was an ant. I mean, I could see how maybe someone would draw that conclusion because they weren't letting her in the superhero clubhouse, so to speak. But I 100% agree with Agent Daniel and the script of the movie that Hank's anxiety for letting her into the suit was because she's his daughter and he didn't want to lose her. I believe I said that too, right? That's no, that. you you didn't. No, I did say that. I said that, yeah, I'm not going to go there, but I did say that. I remember saying that. He said Daniel's right. It's the important thing. <laughs> I don't remember hearing anything about. Go ahead, play play a no prize for Agent Evan because I don't remember he hearing because I, I was right. Let me just finish and then I'll play the no prize. I don't remember hearing anything about seeing her mother in her during the movie. As far as not letting her be the wasp in this film, well, the movie is Ant Man. So, I mean, we didn't crowd Iron Man with War Machine in the first movie, even though he was alluded to as wasp, wasp was in this film, and Cap was just a solo hero in his movie too. So I think Marvel has already set a precedent for this sort of thing. I'm just happy we get Wasp at all. Although I do wish it was Janet. Oh, well, speaking of Janet, that was an awesome flashback. I'm interested to see if they'll bring her back in a sequel. And I love the microverse. Very cool and unique visual. I wonder how this will play into Doc Strange and Infinity War. This might be my favorite Stan Lee cameo. Very funny story segments. I hope we see the giant ant dog running through the background of many Marvel movies to come. I have a nitpick that bugged me. Get it? Ant-Man? It bugged me. Anyway, when fighting on Thomas, when lasers... The tank engine. When lasers hit the toy trains, they exploded with fire and smoke and everything you expect from an actual train wreck. Would the plastic not just melt? I don't know. If there are any physics out there, physicists out there, help me out. And then, uh, he's correct. Play, play the no prize twice. Well, no, no once. Thomas. Well, was Thomas plastic or was he? I'm pretty metal? sure he's plastic because they, he they did a lot of metal ones. To me. So I'm I'm playing no prize for him. Is that what you want me to do? Yeah, because he because he said right here, I 100% agree with Agent Daniel. If you want a no prize, pander to Daniel. <laughs> the no prize winner of the day. There it is. <laughs> um, yeah, let's. I think that's it then. Well, we've got one to listen to. We do. Here we go. Hey, Ben and Daniel, Agent Brayden here, uh, calling in with some Ant-Man feedback and some other stuff. Uh, I saw Ant-Man on Thursday. 
Uh, I was absolutely floored by how great it was. I had pretty high expectations. Uh, James Gunn said it was like his favorite MCU movie since Iron Man, excluding Guardians. And I definitely think it totally lived up to that hype, if not exceeded it. I really was not expecting it to be that good, and it was incredible. I think that's my favorite Act 3 of any Marvel movie we've seen so far. I think all every little bit of setup in Act 1 and 2 totally paid off in Act 3, and it just felt so like so much more than just a big fight. It just felt like a really great payoff for everything that's happened so far. Um, and even like in Act Two, when the whole Falcon thing happened, um, I was I was stoked when that happened. And I'm like, thank you guys so much for not spoiling that on the podcast. I know that that was like in the news, and that was a TV spot that Falcon was going to show up. But like, I had no idea that that was coming. And Falcon was like one of my favorite parts of winter soldier. And I freaked out when he showed up and it made, <clears throat> excuse me. It made earlier lines that I didn't really like so much. Like the, um, the line when Hank and Scott were talking about the Avengers, it just felt very forced just to like, Oh, Hey audience, this is the same universe as the Avengers. It felt kind of forced. But when, when he showed up, when Falcon showed up, it just made it feel like that line was really worth it. Um, which was awesome. And uh, another you know, great thing about Ant-Man was the villain. And I know we had talked about, you had talked about last week how there's not a lot of great MCU villains. And I don't think Yellow Jacket was like the greatest villain at all. I'd still say he's like, you know, medium, medium high for like villains. But um, he's, he's definitely a good villain who could probably come back if they did it. I mean, the Yellow Jacket suit is like maybe maybe uh you know Corey Stoll doesn't come back um but you know that the the suit could come back and that's a powerful suit that could combat more than just Ant-Man that could combat the Avengers even um I mean we saw Ant-Man fight Falcon you know what I mean so um bring that character back and he shrunk down but like he could have gone to that quantum realm and they could they could bring him back um you know later um, and you know, real quick while we're on villains, one thing that you guys, uh, you were talking about some of the best villains and I, I agree that Wilson Fisk is my favorite MCU villain. He's probably the best one. Um, and then maybe Loki right behind him, but then right behind him, um, uh, hammer from Iron Man two. I just rewatched Iron Man two today and like, Oh my God, we should take a moment to appreciate that movie. Cause Daniel, I know you like it because of the Disney fan and that's where me and you have that in common, but like the oh the Disney fan stuff and like it, it t- like the Stark Expo is in Flushing, New York. It's a direct call to the New York World's Fair, and it's like it's got the Unisphere. It has the New York State Pavilion. Like it's just so cool that they do all this like geek fan service to the New York World's Fair and to like Walt Disney, and then also just like it's just a great movie. But the villain in it, you know, Hammer is just, he's so funny. And I mean, maybe you, th- maybe some people could consider Vanko to be the main villain of that, but like, yeah, he's all right. But like Hammer's so funny and he's so cool and he's still alive. So they could totally bring him back one day. I mean, they won't, but they totally could. And that would just be awesome. Um, so yeah, that's my stance on uh, villains. And I am finally caught up with your podcast. I'm watching Daredevil with you guys. So, I'll be chiming in with some feedback on that as well. Uh, Agent Brandon out. Thanks for the great podcast. Uh, have a good one. Man, I love some feedback from a man who knows a Sherman brother. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he, you know, going back to, to Ant-Man, I mean, he echoes 
a lot of our feelings there. But uh, the idea of Yellow Jacket coming back, it's true. I mean, we can have Iron Man without Robert Downey Jr., technically speaking, because it's just, you know, who's in the suit? We want Robert Downey Jr. in the suit, but, you know, was it Darren Stoll? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't necessarily need him in the suit. Although, I like but, the guy. But again, we've already set like up the our Iron Man replacement with War Machine. I mean, it's just a suit. Yeah, It's an Iron Man-like suit in a lot of ways. Well, and that's just it. I mean, the Yellow Jacket suit, what made it menacing was it was made for war. Rather than the Ant-Man suit, which is made to run around and be a spy. The Yellow Jacket suit is a soldier, and the Ant-Man suit is a spy. So, yeah. Hey, can I say one thing? I don't Let's know if do I mentioned it. this in the, the Ant-Man actual episode. I did not expect Scott Lang to go subatomic at the end. I didn't expect Dude, that at all. They said it like a thousand times. I They talked about it, but I just thought, oh, it's something. Foreshadowing professional writer. Foreshadowing. I... I know this now, but I'm telling you, I didn't expect it. So now that I've made that confession, it's time for us to say goodbye. All right, let's get out of here. Talk to you later, Daniel. I got to rewatch Stick. (laughs) Daredevil meets Groot. I'm just wondering, I've often said ninjas make everything better. You have often said that. It's true. Will I stay on target? I don't know. It'd be hard to make things better here with Daredevil. So, all right, man. Later. <laughs>